is the pastor here. Uh, before we get started and some worship, we have a couple of announcements I want to go over with you. And, and also, uh, Teresa Gleason has a bit of an update on the MCC sale, so she's going to be up here in just a minute. Um, Wednesday night, our Wednesday night program. This Wednesday is our last Wednesday night program. We're doing a family uh, kids uh, game night where we're inviting parents and their children to, uh, to kind of enjoy the evening together. There's going to be some good uh, activities and, and uh, fun games for, for you guys to participate to do with your kids. And afterwards, there's ice cream, and it's hard to go wrong with ice cream. And so uh, that'll be this Wednesday. Also, one of the things that we're wanting to do is to do some um, sponsorship for these kids over the summer uh, for Timberlake Camp. Um, you know, one of the questions is, you know, over the summer, if we have a number of kids who, who don't really come from uh, uh, families that attend church on a regular basis. And so where are they just kind of getting that, that wonderful, vital input on who is Jesus and Scripture is wonderful and that kind of thing. And so... Uh, we're wanting to do some uh, some sponsorship for kids to be able to go to, to a week at Timberlake Camp. To sponsor one kid costs two seventy five, and uh, so if you're interested in doing, you know, one or a couple of those or part of one, uh, talk to Joanne and she'll give you some of the details, and uh, and we'll be able to do that. Also, just to let you know, kind of on a um, on a, on a sadder note, but for two people, for Mike Hostetler and for Linda Bornman, this is their last Sunday with us. Mike is moving off to Alaska to scout some things out up there, and uh, Linda is uh, moving to a, to a facility in Yankton, and uh, Linda, I think your first Sunday here was my first Sunday here, and, uh, and you have grown and changed in such remarkable ways since then. We're, we're very proud of you. So yeah, uh, before you guys leave, uh, church family, be sure to, uh, to talk to both of them and, and uh, you know, handshake or hug or high five kind of whatever's within the comfort zone and um just don't make it too awkward but be sure to be sure to talk with with both of them uh before they go so teresa if you would come forward and and give us a little bit of an update on on the mcc sale and uh carry on with the service and participation in the sale. We had a really good two days. Uh, we set a few records, I think. Um, we had quite a few quilts, um, a thousand or more. Thank you. Uh, we had several quilts that went for a thousand or more. Uh, we did have one that went for 3,000 and another one that went for 3,200. And I think those set new highs for quilts. This morning I checked the website and uh, if anybody wants to check out prices of all the quills, uh, some of the craft items, if you would head to nebraskamccsale.org, that will give you more updates throughout the day and as, as totals come in. Uh, the site showed this morning that it was a total of $202,833, so it was a good sale. Thank you. Let's do a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we worship you this morning. You are good, gracious, faithful, 
God, you reveal good stuff to us when you send Jesus Christ. And uh, we are thankful for that. Uh, God, this morning as we worship, uh, may our worship be a gift to you. May it be honoring and glorifying to you. As we study your word, we invite your Holy Spirit to lead and to speak and to uh, guide and comfort and convict and to direct. Lord, we open ourselves up to you this morning. We love you, Jesus. Worship the Lord um, the way that the Spirit leads. Stand, sit, kneel, raise your hands. Um, you're welcome to do that. And everything that we've been given is from Jesus. He gives us every spiritual blessing. We have all that we need. We are forgiven. We have his grace. Our sins have been wiped clean. And he is our hope. And we celebrate that today. And we are also a people that have been forgiven for his glory. We're to go out into the world and bring glory to his name. So that's the kind of people we want to be, the kind of congregation. So let's sing about um, who Jesus is. Jesus, let your kingdom come here. Let your will be done here in us. Jesus, there is no one greater. You alone are Savior. Show the world your love. King of heaven, come down. Let your glory reign, shining like the day, King of heaven, come. King of heaven, rise up, who can stand against us? You are strong to say in your mighty name, King of heaven, come. Yes, Lord, come. We are. Children of your mercy, rescued for your glory, we cry, Jesus, set our hearts towards you, that every eye would see you, lifted high, King of heaven, come down. Let your glory reign, shining like the day, King of heaven, come. Come, Lord Jesus. King of heaven, comes who can stand against us. You are strong to save in your mighty name, King of heaven, come. King of heaven.
Hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest phrase, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Let's sing that again. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest phrase, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Christ Darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Lord of all. And He shall come with trumpets. Dressed in his right. 
Righteousness alone, boldness to stand before the throne, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the Strength is in your name, for you alone can save me. 
spirit of power, not the spirit of um, timidity, not the spirit of fear, but God, you give us the spirit and of love and discipline. You give us all that we need to live this life, to bring glory to you. We can walk out on the waters, the waters that are um, hard to walk on and scary, to say yes to you, to be a light in this world. God, we can trust you. And when we do that, when we go out in faith, we experience you, God. We want to know you. We want to know you deeper. So help us to say, say yes to you, God. Would you give us courage? We want to be a light for you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. ready to have a prayer time um, you know we could spend the whole morning just meditating on the words we just sang I, I hope you were paying attention and, and looking at that closely but I mean if that's true the God of angel armies by our side a throne of life faultless to stand before the king I mean if that's true if that is legit true that changes everything that changes everything about life on earth. That changes everything about eternity. Dressed in his righteousness alone. That, I mean, we just, just do like 45 minutes of silence and just meditate on that. And it will be a morning walk by faith. Powerful, powerful words um, that, that we can sing. Pay attention, friends, uh, to the words. Don't stay on guard um, about getting getting too relaxed with with the text as we get ready to to have a prayer time a couple prayer requests um one uh, many of you know russ smith uh, russ and julie smith he is starting a very aggressive uh, chemo treatment for cancer uh, they found cancer and so they're doing a uh, a short very intense chemo treatment and uh, he has ms as well too and so that's going to be uh, kind of a, a difficult experience also uh, many of you know wendell revere mel's eldest daughter kind of the, the second and, and third hand her boyfriend Gideon is that um, because of cancer uh, she is really in, in her last days um, and so we just might have time for her left um, in the hospice or something but and so um, yeah let's let's be be praying for those um, for for many of you know others uh, your physical ailments and so and so we'll get that taken care of let's uh, let's have a uh, time of prayer together Heavenly Father, we just, we marvel at this statement, faultless to stand before the King. That the God of angels.
song that we're going to sing, we sang, the last time we sang it was when Jason Nicole went to Utah. So it's very fitting, I'll cry because this is an answer to prayer, do you know, that you are going to Utah. You're going into the darkness. You're teaming up with Greenhouse, with Jason Nicole, and what God is doing there. And we expect great things. God is at work, and he's going to use you, and we're so thankful. So this song is just a challenge, I mean, to us, too, to live it out here, that we will walk on the water, that we will go out in faith into the darkness and be his light. You call me out upon the water, the great unknown, the feet may fail, and there I find you in the Oceans deep, and the faithless. 
oceans rise, so we'll rest in your embrace. For I am yours, you are mine. Your grace abounds in deepest water. Sovereign hand, you'll be my guide. Your freedom will fail and fear surrounds me. You'll never fail and you won't stop now. And I will call upon your name, Jesus. And keep my eyes above. Oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours, you are mine. Oh, oh, oh. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without border. Let me walk upon the water wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without border. Let me walk upon the water. Wherever you would call me, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Oh, we trust in you. Oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you are mine. Oh, oh, Good morning. It's awesome to be here with all of you today. Um, feel right at home. We got our Veronica fix yesterday, and so that was a good taste of home for us. And we're we're glad to be here um, with you guys, whom we've met a few of you already, and you guys may recognize Allie a little bit more than you do me. My name is Drew Pankratz, um, and this is my fiance, Allie Dost. Um, still getting used to saying that, but. 
yeah, Allie is the granddaughter of Dean and Loretta Jost, um, and so that's a little bit of our connection, and then, and then also, of course, joining the Greenhouse team. Um, after our wedding in late July or early August, we'll be moving out to Utah and joining what God's already doing there with the Queerings and with the Greenhouse, and so we're super excited. Um, they wanted us to say hello to you guys from them, and just thank you so much for your incredible support and partnership already. So blessed by you guys, um, and hopefully it's been a blessing to you guys in return to, to partner with what God's doing there with the greenhouse. I know there's some family here and lots of friends, and so we're just incredible, incredibly thankful for you, and I know they are too. Um, and so, yeah, right now, a little bit of where we're at. I have been doing a youth internship at Hillsborough MB. I graduated from Tabor last year, and... Um, I'll be finishing that up in July, and Allie is currently student teaching um, her last semester at Tabor, and she'll be done in May, and then we'll be planning a wedding and, and getting ready to move out. So a lot of transitions um, for us in this time of life, but um, it's good. We feel like God is calling us out upon the waters, and we're, we're trusting that. And so Allie's going to share a little bit about our journey and how we've gotten to where we're at today. Um. So, yeah, like you said, my name is Allie Jost. Um, and so our, I would say our journey to Utah started in 2006 um, when my dad, um, he went out there um, to Utah as a church planter at South Mountain Community Church. Um, and he actually, we at the time, we actually needed a youth pastor at one of those churches. And so my dad knew Jason and Nicole and just thought they would be a great fit. Um, to be out there in Utah, and so he asked him, and Jason said yes, and spent some time there, and then Jason was back here for a little bit, but then found that their hearts were still back in Utah, and wanted to be um, working among the Mormons, and um, yeah, so now, and I was able to grow up in the LDS culture, kind of, you know, kind of in, and as a Christian, um, it was, it was a very good experience for me, I got to learn a lot about what I believe, and what Mormons believe, um, and so, yeah, I grew up and graduated from there, um, graduated from high school in Utah, and then I decided to come to Tabor. Fast forward um, to last summer, I was at a camp, and Jason and Nicole were there as well, and Jason, you know, he was like, Allie, we need, we need a team, we need more people out there, and he, and he asked, would you, would you want to come out, you know, and so he kind of was putting a bug in my ear, and I said, Jason, like, I don't know, like, you know, right now I'm a senior, and I, me and Drew had just started dating, so wasn't sure, like, you know, where all that was going to fit in with everything. Um, so I, but I said, you know, contact me in a few months or in, in a year or so, and, and, we'll, and we'll keep talking. Um, and so he did. He contacted me in the fall. He emailed me and sent a big, long email about what they're doing and, and what their needs are. Um, basically, you know, he said their needs were someone to do worship and someone to, to do youth. And so I didn't know what to do with that. Um, you know, I was still like, okay, I don't know. And so I, I gave the information to Drew, and we started to think about it more seriously. Um, and so throughout the, the fall semester, we thought and prayed a little more. And then once we were engaged in January, we took a trip out to Utah and got to see what the greenhouse was. Because um, Jason hadn't, I mean, Drew hadn't even met Jason and Nicole or even met a Mormon and um, so it was, it was a great, <laughs> and yeah, so it was, it was a great experience for both of us. Um, I, I hadn't really seen a lot of um, exactly
congregation and the whole church, what they're doing out there. So we, you know, we got to meet a lot of people. Uh, we, we met some ex-Mormons, heard their stories. We met some of the leadership team on the greenhouse, um, at the greenhouse. And we um, got to see one of their missional community groups, which is kind of their house, um, house church group that they do um, once every, every, sun, every Sunday uh, in, during the week. Um, and while we were there, we got to learn a lot about um, the area, um, the culture of Utah. So I'm going to just, I know if, if this is a repeat for you guys, you know, that's, I'm sorry. But um, yeah, we're just kind of giving you like an overview of what, what it looks like in Utah and kind of some statistics so you guys can have a background. Um, so I think there was a map up there. Yes. So we were up in that little square, and that's where Saratoga Springs, Utah is. And it's about... Oh, if you look, it's about, probably about 45 minutes from Salt Lake City. Um, it's a very much growing area. I think the next slide has some statistics on it. Yeah, the median age is about 22.5 years old. So there are a lot of kids out there, a lot of young families. Um, like I said, it's, it's very much growing. Um, 90% of the population is um, LDS or Mormon. Is that, that's the more term that you might know of them. Yeah, and this, the Greenhouse Church is actually the only Christian church that is in Saratoga Springs, and that's in a town of, I think it says 25,000, and there's over 65 uh, Mormon churches in um, the Eagle Mountain in um, Saratoga Springs and Lehigh area. So, you know, this is a very highly um, concentrated Mormon area that, that we are going to go into. Um, and then something about um, Mormonism, and, and, you know, there's a lot that we could talk about Mormonism, and if you... Um, but just part of it, it's LDS, the LDS culture is more um, than a religion. It's, you know, it's an encompassing culture for these people. Um, you know, it, it governs what they dress, how they dress, what their holidays are, um, what, what to drink, um, you know, even how to talk. You know, Mormons have a certain lingo about them. And, you know, if you were talking to a Mormon, you would be able to understand them, obviously. But there'd be some things that, um, yeah, are very unique to their culture. Um, and even even their streets and where where they live are centered around the te- around the temple, and so it all is like in a grid system in the city. So it's very much very much a culture in Utah. Um, we are still really learning a lot about Mormons um, and what they believe, and we're just really excited to just keep getting to know what um, who they are and how we can best relate to them. Um, but yeah, if later it, we're going to be back there. If you have any questions further about their beliefs, we'd love to talk with you about that. Um, but Drew is going to keep talking about what the greenhouse model is and, and how we're going to plug into that. Yeah, so like Ali said, um, where we're going to be going in Utah County is it's all about the, the Mormon culture. And so because it's an unreached people group and because it's such a unique culture, um, the greenhouse has really embraced a model, a uh, very missional model. We, we look at Jesus' life and see how he incarnated, incarnated himself into, into our world, into broken humanity, into the darkness, um, and walked and ate and lived amongst the people. And so that's the, the model that the greenhouse has embraced about going to them and living with them and doing daily life with them. And so really striving to follow after how Jesus did his ministry. Um, because, you know, the culture is so deeply rooted there, Arguing and debating faiths and theologies isn't most effective. Um, the, the most effective way is to build relationships, to build trusting relationships, to get to know them, learn about them, listen to them, and do life together in 
to build that trust, to be able to share the good news of Jesus and, and offer that as good news, not to debate and disprove what they already believe. So that's a little bit of the model. I'm really focused on going out into the community rather than inviting people to come into our programs and stuff like that. Um, we want to be a, a going out church. So the Greenhouse, as you know, started in 2013. Um, these three years, they've had missional communities every Sunday night, which is basically a house church at the Queering's house. And they eat together. They have a Bible study that Jason usually leads together. And then on the first Sunday of every month, they gather together at a, a fitness center and have a service a little bit similar to what we're doing here today. Um, but this is actually transitioning. Um, yeah, the bottom of that slide talks about what we're, what we're going to transition into once the team gets out there. And so it'll now be first and third Sundays of every month will be a gathering together. And then we'll still do, well, we'll actually do an additional missional community. So, so two a week. And so it's steadily been growing. Growth doesn't happen just rapidly there. Um, it takes time and it takes relationships. And so there has been steady growth um, over the three years. And we're at the point where they need more hands on the ground there and, and the more opportunities are opening up to um, to do ministry with them. And so this is where we come in. Um, Allie mentioned a little bit about what we'll be doing. Allie is going to be basically leading and creating a worship team and a worship environment um, for Sunday mornings. And she'll also be looking at a, to find a full-time teaching job while she's there. And then also being a part of the overall life and discipleship of the greenhouse. And she's excited about that. Um, and what I'll be doing is focusing on ministry with the youth and creating a youth culture, youth environment. Um, and I'll also be looking for uh, some kind of part-time job in the community, something with people. Not really sure what that will be yet, but something to build those relationships and also be overall with discipleship and, and things like that in the greenhouse. So those are a few of the areas we'll be plugging in with. And there's actually a fifth member that's going to be joining the team. His name is Logan Whitney. He's going to graduate from Tabor as well. Um, this May, and he's going to be doing ministry more with uh, the college and young adult um, age groups. And so we're really just incredibly thankful for how God's brought this team together. I know there's been so much prayer. Um, I know I know the greenhouse has been praying um, three minutes at three o'clock for three months or something like that. But it, I think I think it's gone farther back than that. But they've embraced that three 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 model and just been praying. So much for this. And so with that being said, we're extremely excited for this journey ahead. Um, you know, it's very tempting to, to stay comfortable with, you know, the first year of marriage and stay closer to home and be with family and friends and stuff like that and do things that we're maybe more comfortable with. But we feel like God is ascending God and that he is trustworthy and faithful. And so we're really excited to join in with, with this work and the calling that he's given us. And so like Allie said, we're going to be in the back and around after the service. We have some stuff in the back that you can come take a look at and, and talk to us, get to know us, um, and we would love that. So thank you for letting us come today. Well, it is so good to have you guys here. And, um, yeah, it is so good to have you guys. Um, yeah, I get to see you guys and hear what you guys do. And so um, I just wanted to share some notes that I have with you as you get ready to go out um, to the greenhouse and start planting fruit. Um, I'm sorry, y'all, I don't know what to do with my notes yet. I'm wrapping up really fast. Anyway, um, 
sad that I got to know you a little bit and I lived in Mobile for a few months upon returning from Peru. From the moment I met you, it was evident that you were a man whose heart was set on the things of Christ and who was serious about making disciples and masters of knowledge. You didn't want to wait until you were older. You took advantage of where God placed you and went out um, and wanted to live out your faith for him. You were active in reaching um, out to people who were on the fringes on campus in your Bible studies and prayer groups and were very intentional with people because you truly cared about them and what was going on in their lives. I heard you share your testimony at a campus event and was blown away by your confidence and how you spoke about your deep love for the Lord and your heart's desire was to walk in his ways and be Christ to those around you. When you were finished, I remember thinking, wow, that man's going to be a preacher one day. Drew, the verse I want to leave with you um, is this. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ, who has commissioned us and who has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised. And that's 2 Corinthians um, 1, 29 through 30. So, where do I even begin? What a gift you have been to me and to so many others. I want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for saying yes to Jesus and being obedient to where he has placed you to go with your life. It has been an absolute joy for me to walk with you um, and part of your faith journey. And it all started when you came to Peru to help lead a worship team. And what's cool about the ocean song is that was the first time I had heard the ocean song in Spanish. And it was Allie and Joanna who led it. So that was awesome. I just wanted to say that. Um, it was evident then and even now that the joy of the Lord is indeed your strength. When you walk into a room, you just overflow with joy, and it spills over to those around you. And people love you because you leave an imprint of Christ's love wherever you go. People in Peru still talk about you because you weren't afraid to go all out with making relationships with people. Even if you didn't understand the language, you still gave it a try, and people loved you. And people love that about you because you weren't afraid to look and sound your soul. So thank you for loving um, my Peruvian friends and family so well, and I know that the people you will be building relationships with in Utah will see that in you too. Allie, I want to encourage you as you continue on the path of obedience with the Lord to keep walking in the spirit of joy as you enter into new territory. People will notice that about you and be drawn to that because of it, and it won't be you that they see, it will be Christ in you. Continue to let the Holy Spirit be your guide and source of strength. Depend on him always and love those he places in your life. The verse I want to leave with you is Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ, who loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us in his Ephesian testimony. Um, so it's just really neat just to hear the, the journey that God's taken you on. And all of us are actually a part of this team, too. And um, you can be a part of praying for them and supporting them financially. And so whenever you go to the back, there's some information that you can get about what they're going to be doing and then ways to give. Um, so you can fill um, this card out and you can um, place a check in there. And um, Word on the Street is just raised $17,000, I believe. And so, um, yeah, that God's been placing that on my heart to help us to be even more generous um, and like supporting the Build Outreach and things like that encourages you all, too, to be a part of those things and stop being part of that and get to be a part of what the examples of Jesus in Peru are. So we're going to have a time of prayer for them, and Drew and I will just stand down here on the steps. And I'm going to invite whoever wants to um, pray for them, that they can come around them. And um, Loretta, I'm going to have you come up and Arlen will be coming up. So whoever wants to, you guys can come down um, around and just pray for them, um, and just pray for them and send them out to be 
Dear Father, our hearts are full. We have much to thank you for today. We just thank you that you still have a calling on our lives and that you answer our prayers. Uh, for years, we've prayed for the Green House, and we knew that they wanted to build a home. And to get to where we are seeing those prayers being answered, and we thank you so much for that. We thank you for the opportunity to grow up with Anna and to see her little missionary heart. She's a little stupid child, and we want to thank you for how you are using her. Uh, and that you've given her a partner who has that same love for you and that same experience. And I just ask your blessing upon them together as they have this blessing in their life. God, I pray for their marriage, that their marriage will be sweet and that it will be strong, that you will protect them. I just pray that you will bless their gifts of working with youth and connecting with people and leading worship and teaching, that uh, you will add to those gifts uniquely to that culture that they'll be going to. And we just ask for the practical things today, that you will give them jobs, that Anna will keep them going, that she can glorify you and that you will find work and that these will be areas in which they will be able to connect with people and that it will also be part of the ministry and even the home that will open someday. I don't know how, but it might be a hallowed place, a place where you will let them worship and that it too will also be in an area where they can be an influence for you. We pray all these things for them upon Anna's life and Anna and their little home. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you that we can be a part of what you are doing in their life. We thank you for Anna and Ali as they have committed to each other and to you and to the work that you put before them. So I would ask, Lord, that you give them wisdom, understanding on what needs to be done there. And I ask for special grace, Lord, as they are learning how to assist in here of graduating, of getting married, and then starting ministry. So I just ask for special grace for them, Lord. Bless them and guide them. Bless this team. We thank you that we can be a part and feel that we're one with them. And we are so thankful that we can be a part of that. And the verse that I want to leave with you is Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So I bless you with this. God's word will have much strength and to stay afloat. Amen. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to come back to you here on Anna and Ali's uh, faith journey, and as you've called them to yourself, uh, how they have found each other and what they are doing. So I thank you for how you're going to be at work in their lives. And I pray for them to be blessed by Anna and for what you're calling them to do. I thank you that they have a team that they want to work with, and as they work that team, that they would be connected. I pray that as Anna wants to do what she wants to do, I thank you that uh, she is strong and she will protect them and um, build them up, that you would be the one that you can use for this ministry. So I thank you for Anna. I thank you for the love for you, and I thank you for the leadership that Anna is showing today that is going to help them to bless them and that they will know that they will be uh, eager to give and be a part of this church.
threatening for 0.8% evangelical Christians. Uh, on the international uh, scene, uh, researchers uh, are telling us that when a people or a country group hits around that 2 to 3% mark, that then the local church has enough kind of energy and momentum to be able to, sus- to become self-sustaining and, and, and to grow and, and, and multiply, you know, and, and to begin to have an impact. That's that kind of that 2 to 3% mark. And so anytime that you have a, a country or a people group that is below that, then that is considered least weak. And that's kind of interesting, actually, how few resources are going to least weak. But at 0.8% for Utah County, even at the global level, that means that they are within that least weak category. And it also means that the church within that area, within that area doesn't yet really have enough momentum on its own to really kind of carry on and be reproducing and continues to need outside support, kind of like what we're doing here, um, to, to see that number grow. And um, so, yeah, it's pretty remarkable. And those are big, you would probably actually find a higher ratio of Christians in mainland China uh, than what you would find in, in Utah County. So plenty of missions opportunities um, locally. Um, the last little bit, uh, I've been um, just kind of praying and, and talking and, and, and dreaming and, and working on just kind of what our, what our vision is for us as a church and what direction God would have us to go. And so as part of that, I've been delving into our history. Uh, one of the, uh, if you're really kind of wanting to, to know where God would lead you in the future, one of the incredible helpful things is to simply go back and say, what was the vision of the founding fathers? Like when they first started this church, this organization, this, this community, what was the original vision that, that God had, had really kind of uh, birthed within them at that time? And so I don't know how many of you have seen this book or read this book. I've been reading through this book. It was, I'm assuming it was written in 1978. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, maybe a couple years later. Um, oh, 1979, my bad. So I was two at the time. Um, uh, but this has been remarkable. You know, I started to read it when I first got here, and I just kind of tried to read it like a novel, you know, kind of left to right, and it was just boring, right? It made you sad. And, uh, but then lately, um, pulled it out again and have been treating it more like a resource and kind of bouncing around and, and looking up uh, different aspects. And I've just found it fascinating on the history of this congregation. Um, in the first 20 years of this church, there were over 250 baptized. Uh, when they dedicated this facility, this building, 1,200 people showed up. I kind of chuckled because it said we opted not to serve a meal. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> there were six sermons. And I don't know if like six people gave a different sermon or like the one dude gave the sermon six times. But six sermons is a lot of sermons. Um, this church was involved in... They call them station churches, and which is not a term we use anymore, so I don't know if our equivalent would be church plant or satellite church, um, which are both kind of trendy words these days. But there were station churches in Sutton, Hastings, Culbertson, and El Dorado. And those communities looked to this church for preaching, baptism, communion, and other kinds of leadership. So this church was engaged in satellite campuses or church planning, whatever our current modern trendy word is, long before we even had those things. Um, for a while, they, they even hired one guy whose only job for three months was to evangelize other German speakers in the area. Just for three months, 
out of the year, that was his, his thought. Uh, the people who founded this church were known as disturbers of the peace, which I find a little comical. Uh, there was a local gal who wrote in her diary, now a disturber of the peace like those we had in Russia has come here too with a gospel preaching. Uh, this church was involved in helping refugees come over from Russia. Uh, evangelism was a very central activity. I mean, built into the church calendar multiple times throughout the year through uh, special events, uh, revival meetings. Um, for at least a week, uh, maybe more in January, an entire week was dedicated to prayer just on how to start out the year. Uh, up until at least 1978, when this was done, we were still averaging over 225 people on a Sunday. Um, one evangelistic meeting saw 86 people get baptized. The first Harvest Missions Festival was in 1882, and three to 400 people attended. Uh, Christian Ed has been around since 1880. We probably think long and hard, like the day we renamed that one, but uh, it's pretty remarkable. Um, and this place was the favorite place for conferences. We had a big facility, and we were centrally located, and so this was the place to gather. Uh, and really, some of the congregation from the state who came and saw uh, churches branch off, and people head out to California and Winnipeg and, and even Canada. And um, <laughs> there, was, there was an interesting, um, let me read this here to you. Uh, Larry Martin uh, in 1974 gave a talk. Um, it, was, it was at the, the Southern District Conference. And they have part of his speech in here. And he says, there are several concerns which I wish to voice as we face our second century. The first concern is that forms and structure and traditions do not become more important than people. It's important that we value people over forms and structures. The second concern that we guard against placing self-preservation above our mission. That's a fascinating line that Larry Crane said. The concern is that we value self-preservation over our mission or against becoming preoccupied with perpetuating our system and forgetting the cause of our existence. The third and final concern is that we must think 20th century instead of our past. Uh, while our past is important, giving us important understanding of the present and perspective on the future, we cannot live in the past. We must, we must think urban instead of rural. We must think mission instead of normal. So it's been interesting as I've read through this. And at this point, I would just say, would you, would you pray with me that this would not just be our past? Would you pray with me that this could once again be our future? That these kinds of things, this kind of mentality, these kinds of activities would not just be something that we reminisce about, you know, in the glory days, but that, that, that we would be more captivated by a vision for a future than, than a remarkable past. Um, what is his name? Uh, Tony Campolo. He says, you are as young as your vision and as old as your uh, testament. You are as young as your vision and as old as your testament. So, anyways, if you would... Just, just be in prayer with me over the next few, very few minutes about that. Uh, one other announcement um, that kind of ties in with that that I, that I did want to share with you. Over the next three weeks, uh, during the Sunday school hour, um, in the Family Center, 
I am inviting really whoever wants to join, Sunday school classes, adults, kids, whoever, um, uh, want to meet in the Family Center. As, w- as the leadership board has been talking about vision and direction and future, uh, one of the words that keeps coming up is disciple or discipleship. And so for three weeks, I just want to get together as a group, whoever wants to show up, and just explore, okay, what does that word mean? Like when we look at scripture, what, like what is entailed in that word disciple, discipleship? If that is a core thing of who we are as Christians, as, as Mennonites, as Henderson MD, what does that mean? And after we define that, as a church, at, you know, whole or within our, our Sunday school classes, like are, are we close to that? Where, where are we meeting that? Where are we not meeting that? Is there anything we need to change or, or to be supplemented? So uh, just an open invitation for whoever wants to show up, Family Center next three Sundays, uh, exploring this word discipleship. There's going to be a lot of just kind of table discussion uh, where I have you guys look up stuff and discuss stuff at the table and then and then kind of share with the group. So if you, if you show up, you kind of got to be willing to talk. So um, I'm going to make this quick because a lot of time has, has passed. But there are a few things that, that I do want to cover with you um, uh, on this topic. So, um, so we've been going through the I am statements of John. Uh, John makes seven statements or records seven statements that Jesus makes about I am. And uh, the one that I want to cover very, very quickly, but we are going to cover today, is in John 14, 6, where uh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, here's the setting. Uh, remember, John is arranged topically not chronologically so it gets a little bit confusing in times as to what's going on but john is arranged topically um but we do see that this is happening as part of the lord's supper so this is their last meal together before jesus uh, heads off into the garden and is eventually arrested we see in verse 31 the comment rise let us go from here so that's kind of a cue to us that at 31 that's when this kind of section chronologically ends It's kind of a tense, awkward moment. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. Culturally, that's super awkward. But he did it, and there's lessons involved in that. Jesus said, one of you will betray me, and then Judas gets up and walks out. How many of the disciples understood what had just happened were not really sure? But there had just kind of been this sort of showdown between Jesus and Judas. Peter pipes up and says, I'll never betray you. And then Jesus kind of lays a smack down and says, actually, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. So it's, it's probably kind of an awkward, heavy environment. Into this environment, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Which is really ironic because he's the one that's hours away from the cross. He's the one that's about to get betrayed. He's the one that's about to undergo horrific torture. And yet somehow, in his thinking and his, in his identity, he is able to speak to people who are still whining about the small things and say, let not your heart be troubled. Chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself, and there where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, love Thomas. Jesus kind of knows what's up. He's like, 
Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We've spent a lot of time uh, talking about Jesus as the way. Uh, We've spent time talking about the exclusivity of Christ. Uh, Jesus claims to be the door, and I'm only going to be the only door. Uh, we talk about Jesus as the resurrection. I remember that was a fun one. And, and Les- Lazarus and raising Lazarus from the dead. And uh, Jesus stands outside Lazarus's tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. But Jesus had to clarify Lazarus because if he had only said come out, every tomb within earshot would have emptied itself. The resurrection power of Jesus was so great that he literally had to say, all right, y'all, I'm just talking to Lazarus for now. The rest of you just go get dinner. Lazarus, come out. And we talked about uh, Jesus' claims to be God and associated with God and, 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 and this, this idea that he is either a, a liar or a lunatic or a Lord. And so, you know, so often people like to go halfway with Jesus and say, well, he's a good moral teacher. Actually, that option is not available to us. Because he was either a liar and he knew he was a liar, so that's not a good moral teacher. Or he thought he was God, but he really wasn't, and then he's a crazy man, and that's not a good moral teacher. Or everything he said was true, and he is Lord, and you cannot choose your Lord just for some flippant gimmick. When it comes to Jesus, we have to take the extreme approach. Either he is nothing, and you discard him completely, or the man is exactly who he says he is, and we follow him all the way. I've been fascinated by what does it mean when a person says, I am true. It's, it's kind of hard for us to understand, right? It's kind of like saying the number seven is a person, right? It's just, it's two concepts in our mind that, that, that don't really meld. And Jesus just didn't say, I come speaking truth, or, or he didn't say my message is truth. He says, me as a person am true. And how do you, how, how do you kind of wrap, wrap your mind around that when when the answer is 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 a person and i would say this is that when when you have lies uh in your head that the healing for that is the person of jesus christ not just a mental understanding when you have confusion in your life and an uncertainty in which way to go the answer is the person of jesus christ not just a map of directions a friend of mine uh when he was in college um, after all the kids were out of the house, their parents got divorced. Messy, painful, uh, divorce normally is. And it, and it was hard for him. And conceptually, he knew the truth. He knew that God loved him, that God was there for him. Like, he just, he knew all the right answers, right? But there's still pain in his life. He's praying with a friend. And they go after this question. They say, Jesus, where were you in that? we believe in a God that questions and so they just went after it and they say that was no fun stronger language probably involved where were you in that and in that prayer time he just he he had like this thought or this mental image or this picture of him standing in that moment and Jesus simply standing beside him with his arm around him in a comforting posture no words no actions just a picture of Jesus standing in that place, in that posture. And when he had that mental image, it broke him. 
experience deep healing. He knew the truth, but knowing the truth wasn't really helping. It wasn't until the person of Jesus Christ was interjected that healings actually began to affect his being. And experiencing Jesus, only then did the truth that he know affect him in a positive way. One of the other ways that I believe that, 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 that we see Jesus as truth is when it comes to Christianity as it pertains to other religions. Um, it's the last little bit. It, it, it seems like there's been a, a lot of chatter around this notion of um, do Muslims, do Jews, do Christians all worship the same God? And even Mormons would, would, would raise this same point. But particularly around Muslims and Jews and Christians, because there's the, the, how the argument goes is that all three have founding fathers in Abraham. I mean, Judaism believes the Old Testament, God, not just the New Testament. Um, with Islam, they claim Abraham as a founding father. They, they claim that Muhammad was visited by the archangel Gabriel, who's considered a Christian deity. And they kind of charted out kind of this evolutionary flow chart. You know, this religion broke off at this point, and this religion broke off at this point, and this religion broke off at this point. And even things that are getting said at, at the international level kind of really, I think, are adding more confusion than, than clarity. Um, the, the Pope was holding this, this international kind of interfaith gathering. And, and in the greetings, he, you know, he, he greets the Muslims and, and he says, you know, first of all, the Muslims worship the one God, living and merciful, and call upon him in prayer. Okay, so is that the same God? I mean, he didn't say one true God. Is he just being brilliantly vague? My guess is he was just being brilliantly vague, but... But it's really contributed more to the confusion than the clarity on to say, do, do we worship the same God? Even one guy said that he, he, he interviewed a Jewish rabbi and a Muslim Amman and a Methodist minister. And he said, hey, do you guys all worship the same God? And they all said, yeah. You know, oh, some of the details are different. So, so there's, there's confusion into that. But see, here's the thing, is that if Jesus is the way, but if Jesus is also the truth of God, as well as the life of God. Then God the Father will never deny Jesus. God the Father will never deny Jesus. And so if you deny Jesus, you deny God. The rest of what we read in John 14, for sake of time, I'm going to skip it. But verse 7 uh, to 11 talks about this connection between Jesus and God the Father. Folks, you cannot deny Jesus and then claim to worship the, the God of Scripture. You cannot deny Jesus and then claim to, to, to worship the, the, the same God as me because the God of Scripture will never deny Jesus because Jesus is the truth of God as well as the way to God as well as the life. Any religion that denies Jesus does not worship the, the God of Scripture because Jesus is the truth. Actually, previously, you know, prior to coming here, I worked a lot with international missions. More and more, I found myself re using Jesus rather than God. Because if I talk about serving God or if I talk about a prayer to God, a lot of religions will not in agreement. If I talk about serving Jesus or if I do a prayer to Jesus, I've now drawn a line in the sand to say, this is how I'm going to serve. This is the God I serve. Because you're Jesus-centered. Jesus is the truth of, uh, of the world. 
because Jesus is truth, Jesus points us to the one true God. In confusion or in lies or in, or in even in other religions, when you interject Jesus, the person of Jesus, then we have to show it to them. I would love to, to rid your mind of all lies. I would love to replace them with absolute truth. Truth about God's glory and God's worth and God's beauty. Truth about your value and how you're loved and precious to him. Truth about God's plan and good intentions. Truth about eternity. But for you to grasp that truth, you must encounter the person of Jesus Christ. I cannot just give you a list of truths and expect that to change your life. You need truth in the embodiment of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot find a way to God separate from Jesus. You cannot find truth in this life separate from Jesus Christ. And you cannot find life in this world separate from Jesus Christ. Salvation is a one-time deal. Maybe you need it, maybe you're good, I'm not sure. But some part of our life is always in need of truth and life. Start with the person of Jesus Christ, and truth and life will follow. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth and life embodied in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for all those here that they would encounter the person of Jesus Christ. And Lord, if necessary, that that would be the one-time moment of salvation, that that would be the way. Lord, for others, I pray that they would encounter the person of Jesus Christ, and that would be an ongoing uh, just inflow of truth and life, because you are truth and life. Thank you, Lord, and we love you so much. Please stand with us as we respond. As I walk, strength of God, go before, lift me up. As I raise, eyes of God, look upon. As I wait, heart of God, satisfied and sustained, as I hear voice of God, lead me on, be my guide, be my guide. Be all around.
Less of us, less of the distractions of this world, and more of you to be all around us, before us, and behind us, Lord. So that every eye that does see us will receive you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Above and below.